Good to see you guys. I've got a picture here on the screen. And I'm wondering if any of you know what that little plant is called. Can you make it out? Bonsai, thank you. I'm so glad somebody did that. That is a bonsai tree. And like every Canadian, I was first introduced to the bonsai through the greatest movie ever created, 1984's The Karate Kid. Yes, not the remakes. We're talking about the original, okay? This is a defining movie in my life. If you don't remember, or if you never saw the original Karate Kid, what are you even doing with yourself? But let me tell you, it's the story of a kid named Daniel living in Southern California who is taught karate by a guy named Mr. Miyagi, who is the Japanese maintenance man at his apartment complex. How many of you guys remember that movie? For sure. I was five years old the first time I ever saw this film, and I'm telling you, I knew immediately this is gonna be one of my favorites. I just sensed this special connection to this original Karate Kid movie. For one, my name is Daniel, and I grew up in Southern California, you guys. I didn't live in an apartment complex, and I didn't know any Japanese people, but that didn't matter, okay? Low-key, I knew that movie was all about me, all right? I knew that somehow, if I just did what he did in the movie, then I would become a karate champion just like Daniel LaRusso. And so, I used to stand outside in my backyard every single day and practice karate, every single day. Now, of course, I wasn't taking karate lessons. All I was doing was copying the moves from the movie, you know, wax on, wax off. I didn't even remember what wax on and wax off were for. Was it to block a punch, a kick? Who cares? I just knew it was a cool move. And so I would practice day in and day out doing my little karate thing. I used to just do that crane kick over and over. I got so good at it, you know? I used to hope that somebody would challenge me at the school play yard and I just, hi-yah, right in the face to him, you know? Man! I used to get my juice watching that movie. It was amazing. But at some point, I started to realize, okay, my karate is not progressing to the level that I think it should. I'm five years old, and I'm thinking I should be winning tournaments and fighting off bad guys and stuff, and it's not happening. I'm missing something. And of course, I'm five, so I don't know what I'm missing, but I start thinking of things I might be missing. And in my five-year-old brain, I was not missing training although that's desperately what I needed. I was not missing muscles. In my five-year-old brain, I was not missing unagi, which is a state of total mental awareness. I wasn't missing that either. In my mind, the thing that was keeping me from becoming the all-valley karate champion was a bonsai tree. I thought if I could just get my hands on one of these little trees, I mean, if you watch the film, this tree is the thing throughout it. Like multiple points during the plot, this is where Daniel has his breakthrough because he's trimming the tree. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's all I need. I just need to have a bonsai that I can trim. And so I went to my dad and I said, dad, you have to buy me a bonsai tree. And he's like, a what? And I'm like, a bonsai tree, you know, from the movie and all this stuff. And he's like, If you wanna trim some bushes, go out in the front yard. We have hedges. Here's a giant pair of clippers, go to town. And I'm like, no, dad, that's not gonna cut it. I need one of those little trees. That's the secret to all the black belt karate mastery that I know I need to have. He never bought me a bonsai tree. In fact, I'm 38 years old and I've never had a bonsai tree, you guys. That's why I'm not a black belt in karate right now. 
I had to settle for being a church planter. I wanted to be a fighting champion, but instead, I'm just kidding. I'm glad I'm a church planter. It's just a joke, you guys. Now, why do I bring that up? Why in the world am I talking about Ralph Macchio and the 80s and fighting and bonsai trees? It's because we're in week number two of this series called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And in our scripture today, we're gonna read a teaching that Jesus gave. And in this teaching, he is going to talk about pruning. In the same way that Daniel in the Karate Kid film had to prune that little tree, Jesus is going to talk about the fact that for all of us, there are times in which God needs to step into our lives and cut away some unhealthy bits so that we can be fully mature so that we can be shaped into the person that he wants us to be, so that we can be fully healthy and fully fruitful. So Jesus is going to talk about pruning us as if we were a plant. Now that sounds great, right? Like it sounds good to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna let God do his work in me so I'm a healthier person, I'm more fruitful, I'm like mature. That all sounds great, but how many of you guys know pruning can be painful? If God or anybody else wants to step in and start cutting away at your life, sometimes that hurts. In fact, it's such a painful process that typically you and I will do everything we can to avoid pruning. We will do everything in our power to smack those clippers away and say, no, leave that part of me. I kind of like it, okay? And yet Jesus is gonna tell us that if we can understand how God prunes our lives and why God prunes our lives, then we'll be equipped to respond to this pruning in a way that will actually get us to where we need to go in life. We'll stop fighting it as much. We'll stop thinking that it's punishment from God. Instead, we'll start to see it as his process for preparing us for his future, okay? So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna dive right in. I'm gonna read this passage to you, okay? John chapter number 15, Jesus is speaking. It's the last week of his life and he's talking to his followers, the 12 disciples. And in John chapter number 15, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Yes, I am the vine and you, speaking to the disciples, are the branches. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit Uh, if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you might be hearing those words and you're like, "Uh, what's the part that you wish he didn't say? We haven't got there yet. It's coming, okay? He's gonna say something and you're gonna be like, oh, just like I do. So Jesus starts out this teaching and he gives us a metaphor, a word picture to help us understand the relationship between him and us and God the Father. And so he uses this picture of a vineyard and a vine and a gardener to help us understand. We'll put a little graphic here on the screen that might help you to illustrate or or to picture what Jesus is talking about. So according to Christ in in John chapter number 15, he describes himself as the vine, the main thing off of which every other branch and fruit grows, right? And he says, just like uh, branches grow off of of, of a grape vine, you disciples are like branches that grow from me. You find your nutrients, you find your source, you find your life and your vitality by staying connected to me. He's painting a word picture. He's using a metaphor. He's the vine, and we are the branches. Now, if you read through his whole talk here, 
He starts to tell us how the vine and the branches are completely interdependent on one another. We actually need one another. That the the vine won't produce fruit. That's the job of the branches. But the branches can't produce healthy fruit if they're disconnected from the vine. You guys with me? They need one another. The branches have to get their nutrients from the vine, but the vine needs the branches to actually produce, in this case, the grapefruit. They are independent, uh, or interdependent, rather, um, on one another. Now, Jesus says, if the branches, you and I, stay connected to the vine, we will produce fruit. The fruit that Jesus is talking about here are these things that we have on the screen. They are the result of following Jesus. They are what God wants to produce in your life. God wants you to be fruity. I'm just telling you, he does. He wants that fruit present in your heart. Now, here's the deal. If you read all of John chapter number 15, Jesus doesn't tell us precisely what the fruit that God wants to produce actually is. He doesn't tell us that, okay? Instead, we go to Galatians, the book of Galatians, and in chapter number five, we find what we call the fruit of the Spirit, These are the things that will come about, the fruit that will be produced if you and I stay close to Jesus. And the fruit, they sound pretty good, honestly. Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Wow, that sounds like pretty good. Like I would love for those characteristics and qualities to describe my life, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be great? Like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a church full of genuine love, that would be fantastic. What if we had a marriage that was chock full of patience? Hello, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be amazing? Who wouldn't love a teenager just full to the brim with self-control? And all the parents of teenagers said, yes, indeed, amen. Who wouldn't love a heart that's full of peace? See, the fruit that God wants to produce in your life is good. It's helpful. It would be wonderful for these things to be present and true in each one of us. This is God's goal. This is what he wants to produce or be the result of you committing to following him. Now, let's be real for a moment, though. Very often, the fruit that gets produced by people who claim the name of Christ is not love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, on and on and on. A lot of times, the fruit that the world sees is anger, arrogance, bitterness, blind political allegiance. Some of you guys are picturing a person in my mind, in your mind as I describe these things. Just like general nastiness, you know? Our world tends to look at Christians and they're like, man, they're some of the worst people I know. I just, I don't know. I thought Jesus was supposed to make their life better and he really hasn't. I said a few weeks ago, and I think it bears repeating, that the fruit that Jesus produced should look like this. And if it doesn't, you've gotten something wrong. If following Jesus makes you a worse person, you're doing it wrong. Something needs to change because what Jesus love and his light and his teachings in your life should produce are these qualities and these characteristics. Okay, so, so far, we're going somewhere with this, okay? So far, you're thinking, yeah, cool, I could, yeah, I'm down for that. Like, if God wants to produce more peace in me, I'm cool with that. If God wants to give me more gentleness or my husband more gentleness, that'd be cool, I'm fine with, yes, indeed, I'm fine with all of this so far. 
Then Jesus says something that I wish he never would have said. Verse number two, look at it. He says, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Okay, I wanna make sure we're all on the same page with this metaphor before we move on and cry about how difficult what he just said actually is. Jesus says that he's the vine and we're the branches. We'll produce fruit as long as we remain connected and tethered to him. But then he carries this metaphor a little bit further and he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches and my father, God in heaven, is the gardener, okay? A few weeks ago, my wife and I went to Niagara Falls. And while we were at Niagara Falls, we took a tour of a winery. You might be thinking to yourself, what was the pastor doing at a winery? Research for this message. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And while I was doing research for this message, we saw all sorts of gardeners in the vineyard. And they were out there working. They had their shears in hand, you know, their sharp scissors, and they're clipping away, and they're doing the work of a gardener. And for us, who have no clue what a gardener's supposed to do, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, they sure are cutting away a lot from that vine. Like, maybe too much. Maybe if the owner of this vineyard were to walk out here and see these laborers going to town, he'd be like, whoa, 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 you're cutting away all the good stuff. You're cutting away all the money. Do you have any idea how much those branches and the grapes that they're gonna produce, how much those are actually worth? But listen, the gardeners know what they're doing. I don't know what's supposed to be pruned and what's not, but the gardeners know what should be pruned. What my wife and I learned while we were there is that these gardeners will actually cut away branches that look like they are connected and alive. But because the gardeners see things that normal people don't, they understand that for some of these branches, they've already disconnected on the inside. They're already dead. They're just in the process of dying. If they leave them there long enough, they will eventually shrivel and fall off the vine. And the gardeners know it would be better if we just clip that now, despite the fact that it looks healthy, it's not. And if it's dealt with, it'll be better for the vine and the other branches. We also learned that the gardeners would go through and they would clip away clusters and branches that were too close together. They were not, they were not far enough away. And because they're so close to one another, they actually rob one another of the nutrients that they need. And so if two of these branches and clusters are too close, then they won't fully mature. They won't be fully healthy. We learn that the gardeners will clip away otherwise healthy branches, but they're growing under the vine because when they're under the vine, they're not gonna get enough sunlight. And so early on, they look fine, but when it comes time for them to bear fruit, they don't because they didn't get what they needed early on. Can we go to the next slide for me? Thank you so much. What we learned while we were doing this research was that the biggest threat to the vineyard, the biggest threat to the branches and the vine and the fruit that they were producing was not external. I would have said, yeah, the the big threat is birds like crows and ravens coming in and gobbling up the grapes. Or I would have thought maybe it's insects. It's some aphid getting on the plant and eating it to pieces. Or maybe it's the weather. You know how important the weather is when it comes to growing grapes for, for winemaking and food and all those different things. But what we learned was that the greatest threat to the fruit was not external, it was internal. 
Let me put this a different way, and I hope you get what I'm about to say, because it's real important. The biggest threat to healthy fruit is unhealthy branches. The biggest threat to healthy fruit is unhealthy branches. And so the gardeners go in and they cut away things that are unhealthy. They cut away things that are diseased and dying and dead so that the fruit that is produced is of high quality and people wanna eat it, right? Okay, the reason Jesus uses this whole metaphor of a vineyard and a gardener, the reason he does this is because what's true of the vine is true of you and I. You see, our biggest problems aren't outside of us. Our biggest problems are inside of our own hearts. We can pretend, we can front, we can blame all these things and circumstances around us. Oh, it was my ex's fault, or oh, it's the economy, it's not my problem, or oh, they were just a bad church. We can blame all of these things around us, but when you get right down to it, the biggest problems that you and I have to deal with are not outside of us. They are inside of our own hearts. And the biggest threat to healthy fruit is unhealthy branches. So the biggest threat to a healthy marriage is unhealthy spouses, both of you guys. The biggest threat to a healthy church, unhealthy church members. The biggest threat to a healthy country, unhealthy people living in the country, right? So we have to understand the branches are what determine the quality of the fruit that's produced. And if we continue to think about like what's outside of us and we blame what's outside of us and we don't deal with what's really going on inside of our hearts, then we're never going to make any progress. Can we just be real for a moment? Can we just acknowledge the fact that every single one of us are dragging around dead branches today? Every single person in this theater is carrying around something that is diseased or dying. And in some cases it's already dead. It is something that is holding you back and you know it's there and you know that you should deal with it because it's never gonna produce anything good in your life. And yet for some reason, you cannot quite let go. Some of you are carrying around the dead branch of a past relationship. You just have not been able to let go of that thing. That person still has control over your thoughts and emotions and you need to cut it away, but you haven't been able to just yet. Some of you are carrying around the, the dead branch uh, of an unhealthy view of money. You're looking to your finances to give you something that you will only ever find from God. Some of you have warped self-esteem. You've bought lies about yourself and you're carrying around this dead branch and God wants to trim it away so that you'll see yourself the way that he sees you. And yet you still hold on tight. You haven't been able to let go. Some of you have been wounded by a friend, somebody you thought you could trust and they stabbed you in the back and you've never been able to get over it. That diseased branch is still with you. Some of you have a need to prove yourself. You're living your life to prove your dad wrong or to show the world that you can be somebody and it's a dead or it's a dying unhealthy branch. And you know it's producing some negative things in your life, but you haven't been able to prune it away. Some of you carry around a false view of God. You have the wrong idea about your father in heaven and it is compromising the fruit that Jesus wants to produce in your heart and life. So until we allow this pruning process to happen, 
We're gonna continue to have rotten fruit, bitterness, anger, arrogance, blind allegiances, nastiness, instead of the fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to have. Now, most of us know that this is true, okay? Um, You're not sitting here going, you mean there are parts of me that are not great? I had no idea. Most of us know that. Most of us know that. Very few people would say, I don't have any room to grow. I'm good, I'm, I'm arrived. I've already got, I'm the best husband you could possibly have. I'm the best employee. I'm the best follower of Jesus. I don't have any room to improve. Very few people are like that. What I've discovered though, is that most of us aren't opposed to pruning as long as we're the ones who are holding the shears. You with me? We know there are parts of us that need to be dealt with. And we're okay with the idea of them being dealt with, but we wanna decide when and how those parts of us get clipped away. I wanna be in control of that process. And the reason that verse number two is something that I wish Jesus never said is because his words force me to confront the fact that I am not the gardener in my own life. If it's left to me, and if it's left to you, We'll hold on to those shears and we'll carry around our dead branches and we'll say, I know I should deal with this. I know it's weighing me down. I know it's compromising health in my life, but we'll just let it go. Why? Because pruning something is painful. It is not an easy process to go through. And because we are so pain averse, we'd rather carry around dead or unhealthy things than to cut them loose and to walk in freedom. Every single one of us struggle in this area. And so we need God to step in and do the gardening work for us. We need him to force the issue and to prune and to clip away some things before it completely ruins the branch and the fruit that God is trying to produce. Now I can prove that this is true. It's so simple. I can prove that all of this is true because you have no trouble spotting the dead and unhealthy branches in other people. You have no trouble seeing the parts of other people that need to be pruned away. You look at your friend and you say, girl, don't you know that guy is dead weight? Cut him loose. Why are you still dragging him around? You look at your friend and you say, dude, you gotta get control of your temper. You're not gonna have anybody left if you keep treating everyone like this. It's so easy to see the unhealth and the dead diseased branches and the people around us and it's nearly impossible to spot in the mirror. So God has to step in and say, Dan, I gave you 38 years to deal with this stuff and you haven't yet. And so I wanna take the shears and I wanna do some pruning in your life so that you can be fully healthy, so that you can be the the man, the husband, the pastor, the citizen, the leader, whatever it is that I have created you to be. And he asks me to turn over control of the shears to him. Boy, that's a hard moment. It's a hard moment when sometimes God says, just give them here, let me deal with this. That happens sometimes. God just grabs them and he, and he goes to town. But can I tell you, God is trying to prepare you in that moment. See, we think about pruning as punishment, but pruning is not about punishment. Pruning is about preparation. 
in every single situation and circumstance. God is not punishing you. He is preparing you. If you understand that, then when the pruning process starts to happen, you don't freak out as much. Because although it might feel like punishment, if God steps in with the shears and says, hey, it's time to let go of this relationship. It just needs to go so you can move on. Or he says, you need to let go of this attitude or you need to finally and fully get over this addiction. When he steps in and he starts the pruning process, it can feel like he's punishing you. It hurts when parts of us are cut away. And yet as it is with the vine, it's always for our benefit. And it's always to prepare us for fruit that could not grow without the pruning taking place. So I wanna tell you, and I, listen, I, I don't know who this is for, but I just believe this is for somebody that's here today. You need to know you didn't lose your job because God is punishing you. That's not what's going on. Instead, God is pruning you. He's pruning you of your self-reliance, your belief that you've got it all figured out and you can buy anything you need and take care of yourself. He's pruning you of that self-reliance. And he's preparing you for a better opportunity. Another door is gonna open and you're gonna walk in this calling and you're gonna bear fruit in the marketplace that you would never bear if God didn't bring you through this pruning process. I don't know who this is for, but it's probably for somebody. Maybe they were in the 9 a.m. service, not the 10.30, who knows? But listen, I'll just tell you, your engagement, your fiance didn't call off your engagement because God is punishing you for some reason. That's not what's going on. Instead, God is pruning you of a relationship that was gonna be unhealthy long-term. God is preparing you for a relationship with somebody who believes the same things and is headed in the same direction. He will be the glue that holds your future marriage together. And you could not get to that point unless God prepared you by pruning you. I've been open and I've shared with you guys our struggles with infertility in our household. And there have been times in my life where I've said, God, you're clearly punishing me. Like, I don't know what it is, but somehow this feels like you are punishing me. I used to think, truly, I used to think God was punishing me because as a teenager, I didn't do the best job following his standards on dating and relationships and sexuality and stuff like that. And I used to think, it's punishment. God is punishing me for the stupid mistakes I made back then. But come on, can we be real here? What teenager gets that part of the Bible right? Nobody, right? And I realized God's not punishing me. He's pruning me. He is helping me to realize that I can be fully satisfied in this life even if he doesn't give me everything I think I need. And he's preparing me because I'm able to do ministry right now that I couldn't do if I had a house full of kiddos. And so it's all in how I look at it. Some of you, you think God has punished you with a bad church experience, but that's not the case at all. God has pruned you from an unhealthy relationship with his church, and he has prepared you to spot healthy spirituality when it's in front of you. It is all in how you look at God's pruning. You can see it as punishment, but that is not the way he intends it. It is always preparation. The writer of the book of Hebrews, uh, it's an anonymous pastor that writes the book of Hebrews. And uh, he writes this long sermon that eventually becomes the book of Hebrews. Trust me, it is a long sermon. You guys think I preach a long time? This dude preached for hours. And in the book of Hebrews, he starts dealing with this concept of pruning. 
And I think he has Jesus' words in John chapter number 15 in mind, but he drops this whole metaphor. He just lets it go. And he starts talking honestly about what it feels like when God is pruning your heart and your soul. Look at what he says, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 11. No discipline. So he's like, forget it. We're not even calling it pruning. It feels like discipline. feels like God is punishing me. feels like God is giving me a spanking in this moment. No discipline, not even from God is enjoyable while it's happening. Indeed, it is painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of goodness and godliness for those who are trained in this way. I love the fact that he goes back to this vineyard metaphor. He talks about a harvest. What are you harvesting? Fruit. See, when God is pruning you, it is always to prepare you to produce this healthy fruit. That's his goal. That's what he wants to have happen. And so if you can keep that in mind when the pruning begins, then you'll start to see it as the best thing that could happen to you, to your marriage, to your financial life, to your spiritual life. It is the best thing possible because it is shaping you into the person that God wants you to be. And it is preparing you to bear fruit that otherwise would never come to be. So I wanna wrap up the message by asking you a couple of questions. The first one, it's the obvious one. What is one area of your life that needs pruning right now? We all have it, every single person. We all need pruning. We all need God to step in and clip away these parts of us that are dragging us down and they're unhealthy and they're causing uh, the rottenness and the disease to spread to the rest of us. It could be an attitude. It might be an addiction. It might be some past experience that you've had and never been able to get over. It could be a relationship. It's still there, but you know it's time to move on. It could be a sin, something I haven't even mentioned so far. But there is a part of every single one of us that God wants to prune. And so the question then becomes, will you turn over the shears to the divine gardener? Will you give God permission, control? to clip away the parts of you that need to be dealt with so that you truly can become the happy, healthy, saved, and set-free person that he wants you to be. Can you trust that his pruning will produce fruit in you that otherwise will never come to pass? It's not easy, but if you can turn over control, say, God, whatever part of me needs to be clipped away right now, time. If you can do that, you can really start to move forward. Now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Dan, uh, what the heck are you talking about? What are you, spiritual shears? What do you even mean by that? Here's what I think. I think turning over control to God and then allowing him to do work in your life really comes down to two things. I think we all need to discover or rediscover the power of confession and accountability. Those are the two things that we need so that our lives are properly trimmed and pruned. We need to confess the parts of us that are dead and diseased, the parts that we've been clinging onto when we really just need to let them go. And then we need people in our lives that will help hold us accountable so that those dead and diseased branches don't grow back. This is why you need to be in a connect group, my friends. This is why groups are so incredibly important. You need somebody in a healthy context who can lovingly point out your blind spots. You know you have blind spots, right? 
If you don't, ask your wife. She'll tell you what they are. We have these places, these things that we can't see. Maybe they're here or they're in our teeth and without a mirror, we can't see them. And the people around you, they function as a mirror and they show you the areas in which God wants to prune you. He wants to shape you. He wants to help you mature and grow in the right way. And so I would encourage you, confess them to God. Say, God, this is the area I've been struggling with. This is the branch that needs to be pruned. And I'm praying that you'll cut it away so I can finally be free of it. And then you'll find some real accountability. You can do it in the context of a connection group, but you can do it with other trusted Christians and say, guys, here's what I've been struggling with. There's a guy in this church and I've been his accountability partner for his porn addiction for like two years at this point. And every single week we check in because this is a part of him he wants pruned. And he knows he's never going to get there without accountability. That's what you need as well. Confession and accountability. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that you'll trust God during this difficult, but very, very necessary process. Jesus, I pray that you would prune away the parts of me that are contrary to the fruit that you're trying to produce. That God, I wouldn't be angry, bitter. Uh, God, I wouldn't be frustrated or fearful. I, I wouldn't feel like I don't have the things that I need. But genuinely, God, I would be totally and completely yielded to you. And I would allow you to, to shape me so that real fruit, fruit that will impact eternity, eternity can come to pass. And I pray that for every single person. Allow them to be honest, God, to acknowledge, to admit, to confess, and then also to find accountability so that they can produce fruit that will change the world. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.